1: Obviously, your mode of, of, of communication these days is Signal.
2: Yeah, Signal is end-to-end encryption, and it's not owned yet by Facebook or Apple or one of the big companies, so I trust it a little bit more. If we want to talk about anything real, you should use Signal. Nothing's guaranteed, but it's better than the alternatives, in my opinion.
1: Gotcha. Okay, yeah. No, uh, all right. That works for me. It makes you feel safer. It's a, it's like Duck Duck Go, right?
2: Duck, duck Go, Signal.
1: Anyway, I don't know if you're starting this yet or not, but I, uh, I, I did the Cash App. That was funny how many things they asked me for, but that's obviously very, very legit, yes? I mean, I know that's like the Twitter guy owns it, uh, and like Rogan always hawks it, right? I mean, that's as legit as it gets.
2: I think it's legit, I mean, as far as you can trust these guys. By the way, welcome yep. to A Real Man Wood Podcast. It's is Chris Liss, your host, I'm talking with Dalton Vildon, as usual, my co-host from Yahoo Sports, And yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I bought some stock in uh, Square, which owns Cash App. Square is the company. SQ is the ticker. So when I recommend that if you're going to buy some Bitcoin, you buy X dollars worth, whatever X is, whatever you can afford per day, every day. I think you could buy a dollar a day. I think there's no minimum, and they don't charge miners' fees. The way they make money is they charge you like above the market. So there's always sort of a spread between what they're what you're, how much you're getting and the, the market price you're paying, but it's, it's way better than Coinbase because they charge you miner's fees. And I think Coinbase, there's a lot of bad stuff about it. So. But I tell people just buy, I mean, download Square, not Square, it's from Square, download Cash App and then just put in X dollars a day. If it's a buck, if that's all you can afford, then put in a buck a day. If it's 20, it's great. If it's 1,000, that's great. But you do it every day because that way you're just cash averaging in. I could see someone making a big buy like right away just to, you know, if they have, if they can afford it, just like oh, I'll buy a couple just, you know, just to get myself a little bit of a, a base of it. But if you, if you average in, if it goes up, then great. All, all the stuff you bought before it went up is worth more than what you paid for. If it goes down, well, you're still buying at the lower price. It, it keeps you away from the gamble of saying, okay, I want to buy some Bitcoin. Okay, I bought some now. And you buy a whole Bitcoin for whatever it is now, 9,100 bucks. And then it goes down to 7,500 and you're like, damn, I should have waited. Or you miss out and it goes up to 11,000. You're like, damn, I should have bought yesterday. And no one really knows where anything's going in the short term. So to avoid that whole sense of panic and regret, just just average in. Same amount every single day, no matter where it is for a while. Just make sure you can afford it. That you're not going to miss it and that you're not going to uh, need to sell it at an inopportune time to pay for something. So that's what I think.
1: Yeah. No, I like that strategy. I, I have a friend already doing it. I'm going to do something similar. Uh, I'm waiting on my ledger to, to arrive. And if you do have some in Coinbase, uh, how, what do I do there? How do I get it out of there? When, once the ledger comes, is that, is that, that's how? Yeah. yeah I'll,
2: ignorant. I'll walk you through, I'll walk you through it. Okay. Um, but basically you'll, it's, it's a little bit of a process to like get your seed, which shows what your private, no that's your private key and to secure right. that safely. But your ledger, your sort of uh cold storage wallet will have an address you'll be able to log in and have an address and you'll put that address you'll double check it like three times because there's a lot of crazy stuff that could happen you send it from Coinbase to that address and then that's how you have control of your own keys which I you know from what I've read that's extremely important because anytime there's a third party that's controlling your keys like Coinbase uh it's not really your bitcoin because if Coinbase gets hacked or something happens it's not FDIC insured, you know, this is not you can't call the bank and say, hey, I think someone charged something in my credit card. I, I think uh, we need to reverse these charges. There's no there's no there's no one to call. So that's the, well, thing. Hence
1: the downside, right? I mean, that's the downside that people would argue against this, right? It, for that exact reason, right? Well, um, argue, yeah, argument think, number one, the point two, it would be could be that.
2: Well, it's sort of like with freedom comes responsibility, I would say. You're free of needing someone's permission to transact. like You can't transact with your bank except during banking hours. They have to be open. You need their permission. If you wanted to send money to somebody that they didn't want you to send money to, you couldn't do it because you need their permission. So you're basically at the mercy, all your life savings or whatever is at the mercy of this third party that probably right now you're in good standing with, but currency itself is a risk. You know, the dollar is infinitely printable. And if they keep doing that to stimulate the stock market, and then one day they look up and they say, oops, we, we've printed too many of these. And all of a sudden, the dollars that you had that you saved are worth only three quarters of the amount they were, um, you have no recourse for that. So this is your money. It can't be inflated. You don't need permission to use it. But with freedom comes responsibility. It's on you to secure it from hackers, from accidental loss, I wouldn't go, you know, we're, we're talking about this on a podcast. I wouldn't go advertising if you end up accumulating a bunch, which I don't think you have yet. Um, I wouldn't go advertising it that, you know, that you've done this. I would just say, yeah, you're, you know, you can obviously admit, I, I admit, I, I think it's a great idea, Bitcoin. I, think it's, I believe in it. And I think people should have some amount in it and accumulate it slowly on a daily basis for a number X every day that they can afford and not, uh, and won't miss if it, you know, if for some reason, not just if Bitcoin goes to zero, but if they screw it up, mishandle their keys and can't get it.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's. I'm, I'm surprised you're even talking about it on the podcast. I know you have so many that you even moved out of the United States. You're hoarding some.
2: <laughs> but I did have to get <laughs> out of the States because I had, I'd, uh, you know, I had a, an arsenal of weapons. I, I dug a huge moat around my house. And like if somebody, and there was like a trap door, you know, in front of my door. So, if, you know, I could see them on a camera and I could pull the trap door and they'd drop in alligators in the moat. No, I am far from a whale. I'm just somebody who uh, thinks this is a, a good idea before it's too late. and I do think that it is a necessary and important hedge against a shaky financial system. And it's funny, because I think a lot of people just assume everything's going to be fine. Like, no way are they going to let this crash. No way is this going to happen. But in history, like, <laughs> there's been a lot of seemingly solid civilizations that did not last for various reasons. And some of them uh, had to do with over-inflating the currency. So,
1: A couple others uh, other than yourself have me convinced that that's not something you uh, should ignore. So uh, it's people smarter than me, and obviously you're a smart person. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's definitely something that's going to – I wouldn't ignore it, and I'm not yeah. myself. Uh, what about uh, anything else, Liz? Uh How you been since we last spoke? How, how has your last week week been?
2: Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, fantasy baseball-wise has been good on the on the whole – you know, my main event team was toggling between third, right, point out a second, and now it's in fourth, but still within the striking range. I'm just really down in home runs and RBIs. I just need Jose Ramirez and Gallo to come back, and you know Puig just hit one today. Torres hit one today. Grand Slam. I just need just an ins- you know when your team just gets hot and you get it like six home runs a night for like three or four nights, and you just start rocketing up the standings so much faster than any projection could have you. Uh, moving up. I need one of those. I need like a month of just balling out. Everything else is good. My pitching's great. You know, my batting average steals are all good. I just need home runs, runs, and the runs are actually fine. I just need a small amount of runs. It's home runs and RBIs. I just need a power surge is what I need.
1: What Did you get any Alvarez?
2: I didn't. Jordan?
1: I I called him Jordan, but I guess Jeff said it's Jordan.
2: Jordan Alvarez I think he wants to be uh, known as, but Either way, uh, no. I'd, I'd spent way too much fab on Ryan Brazier, who I dropped, and now he looks like maybe the best bet for saves again. So I'm not going to – I was I was talking about this on the show. With closers, these, these speculative situations like the Red Sox or the Phillies, now the Phillies seem like they have one, but Twins now seem to have one. But, you know, these, the Rays, it's like you can't kick yourself for – missing on that you know i probably shouldn't have spent so much money on brazier i just thought oh, i'll get him for five and a half months when i got him he might be the guy on a good team but it's kind of like you know you you have 17 in blackjack you stayed and then the next guy gets a four when he hits and you're like damn but you're like no you always stay on 17 or yeah maybe it's not as obvious as that but it's it's just like you can't sweat the result with these closers you're going to get some you're going to miss on some it's just keep you know keep looking for him
1: yeah, I feel dumb for being so aggressive with my fab. Uh, how it shook out in the, in the NFBC. I mean, he he went for three hundred, four hundred in most leagues. It looked like, and to me, that's just so low. It's just frustrating. I, I don't know, man. That seems.
2: Are you with me now on the uh, Cardi projection? Now, have you have you come and around he's finally?
1: All out of control. Yeah, I mean, even the Statcast numbers. It's obviously small sample, but it'd be like leading the league and everything. He's <laughs> so he's so good, and it's I think the highest bid in the, all of it. The, the, maybe it was just the main event, but it was five hundred and eighty. I don't know, that seems crazy to me. Like why would why would someone not be super more aggressive?
2: Because than, than no that? one yeah, has that like, much money left in June. I mean Is
1: that the case? Just yeah. is, is you think the pe- any, the people that do have it or the people that have checked out from the beginning, maybe or something. I guess that's I guess that's the case too. Well no, that
2: or people. you need two people to have it, right? Because even if I have a thousand right. or I have nine hundred right. and you have five seventy, I'm only bidding five eighty or whatever, five seventy-one. I told Jeff to bid five sixty-nine to I bid know, you know, I whatever know. he did. He he was he had the hammer and a twelve. I said, dude, bid a buck less than the guy has. Don't bid a buck more. If the guy wants to commit suicide like you did and and yeah, ruin yeah. his league just to you get one guy,
1: I think you use that only use that as an excuse to reference me. But that's
2: fine. <laughs> like, but I mean, seriously, it's like and of course the guy bid like five dollars less than than he. I right. mean, you can't you sure. can't even in the twelve where you you only need like you know, 20 bucks. If you just saved 20 bucks, you would have been fine.
1: Now, the reason you're wrong on that argument is because the, if the guy does commit suicide on his team, it's not that big of a win for Jeff. Like who cares if it's a 14 team. Okay. One team you think made him out of it, which not, isn't necessarily true. So just the risk is too great. Not to mention how much X Jeff had to spare, but I mean, I get right. your no, point, no.
2: but the, 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 the reason when, when you're driving on one of those, like, you know, head on highways, you know, it's like just one lane in each direction. You're both going like 55, and any one guy can just turn into the other lane and kill both of you. I mean, you're at the mercy of the guy going the other direction not to do that. But you trust him not to do that. You know, it's like the Annie Hall scene with Christopher Walken talking about it. You trust him not to do that because you're like, he doesn't want to commit suicide either. So I just hope he doesn't do that. He could. Maybe his life is super depressing and he's just like, ah, fuck it. I don't have much to live for. Maybe the dude in the other lane who I crash into, you know, his family would be devastated. So I'm just going to do it just just for the hell of it. Or you can just trust that, no, they don't want to kill themselves. So I, I think that nobody who paid money for an NFBC league is just going to bid all his money just to do it.
1: Right. OK. But still, he, um, the, the situation that he's in and how good he was, I, I am surprised that there weren't some higher bids. Though, so, I mean, that's that's I, sure. I, I just mean, don't
2: I was... think people could have.
1: You get the time of year. The time of year. You think they all pretty much were close to max, is what you're saying? Most of I also think,
2: Remember the couple of weeks ago, like all those rookies came up at once, and there was a lot of, high, you know, that was like yeah, a big. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. That is a. That and, was a huge and there were a weekend, lot of them, you
2: know? right? So if you didn't get the first one, you might have got the second one. And it's, and we we're just like in a in a situ a season yes. where like Fernando Tatis gets called up and starts crushing it like right out of the gate, and you're like, oh man, Chris Paddock, you know, gets the call and it's like, wow, he's good right away. So the whole vibe around these rookies, too, is like, you got to get these guys. You know, Michael Chavis slumped for a bit, but still, I mean, for what you paid, he's like killing it and was up and immediately started hitting home runs. There's this enormous amount of pressure to spend this money and be aggressive. So I think this is a particular season where people had spent the money. And basically, if this couldn't have happened in April because he couldn't have put up 23 home runs in April, right, right, it couldn't have been right. a big enough sample for us to realize like this is so legitimate that we can't ignore it. And that's why I think those algorithms are just totally off base. Like, they're just, they, they algorithms get really dumb when they don't have enough data. You know, when, when they're extrapolating out of like a weird sample where it's like rookies, you know, like in this too big of a box or, well, it was just this much time. They, they just don't do a good job. Whereas like if you try to compete with the algorithm on Anthony Rizzo's stats or something else, you'll probably lose. You know, you'll probably lose on the... the basic guys adjusted for environment, obviously, but they're like dumber than the average drafter almost when it comes to uncertain guys. So that's the problem is that the algorithms are are certain. I mean, they they know it's just probability, but they give out a number that's just like, okay, this is sort of the aggregate average of what I'd expect. And not only, you know, we talked about how it's asymmetrical and if he's like the greatest player ever, you know, that wins you the league. And if he sucks, like you probably cut him, you don't get his worst downside You don't get, you don't have to like, you're not forced to like keep in your lineup all year with terrible stats. And also, you know, the only the top two or three spots pay. So it's, there's even more asymmetry in terms of being, getting that gem is so much more important than having a dud for a free agent pickup. Even if you spend a lot of, I mean, if you spend a lot of fab, I guess it could hurt. So I I just think those algorithms, like they're dangerous because they're so good at what they do for like most of the pool that when they're wrong, they're just terrible. And I I think like they don't I don't know if the I don't know if that disconnect is is fully sunk in, but like the better the algorithm is generally, and those and they are good. The bad is very good, Steamers very good, the worse it is when they give you shit information because they just they're not good at a certain when the uncertainty's too big.
1: Yeah, no, I, I do think Alfred's gonna shatter those uh projections. I guess maybe playing in labor in an only league has me thinking of the benefit of hoarding your fab and waiting because of a possible trade. But obviously that doesn't exist in these mixed leagues. So it, the timing of year is a very simple, nice explanation for no bids being higher, I guess. Uh, but man, I would have gone close to max. Uh, I mean, wouldn't you, how you would, you, you, if you had the hammer, you would think he was worth it though. Yes. You would have gone whatever, 10, 10 bucks less than your max. Okay. All right. Okay. No, I
2: wouldn't All have gone right. 10 bucks. I'm just kidding. I would have done exactly or, what Jeff did and go one buck more. I don't trust no, no, those I assholes meant, okay. on the
1: other no, I meant you would have left. Like, you would have, whatever. Left I was just giving Jeff a hard whatever. time. I,
2: I don't trust those assholes driving on the other side of the road right. anyway. I, I think those guys are going to kill me every time Yeah, I'm that's a the horrible.
1: Car. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember us driving around. And speaking of labor in Phoenix, you think in every other driver, every other driver on the road, you accuse being on, on meth. I remember that.
2: Um, <laughs> that but, dude uh, was on meth. And it went, it went in Phoenix and like the outskirts yeah, exactly. of Phoenix, some crap yeah. neighborhood we were driving through. 50% yeah. chance yeah. that guy was on meth.
1: Um, Did you see Kenley Jansen uh, do an intentional balk over the weekend?
2: No, I did not.
1: Yeah, I thought that was that was interesting. So I guess uh, I couldn't think of the scenario why that would matter. But I guess they had a runner on second and uh, two outs and he was just worried about, I think, a two run lead even. So that didn't matter. Just worried about potential sign stealing and like went out of his way. That's really smart,
2: man. That's really and smart. And even
1: pointed the base runner over. Yeah, I thought it was one of the cooler cooler things I'd seen in a while. Can you refuse so, yeah, like, to what? take
2: the base? Can you be like, That's no, that. I don't want to steal the sign, so um, I'm refusing the base. I declined exactly the box. My,
1: exactly my question, but the guy kindly ran to third, so I don't know. I don't know the answer. Probably. I, the I don't dumb think you can
2: decline. I think you have to take the yeah. base.
1: Yeah. Well, I, thought I assume was, uh, you want to be cool. on
2: third base, but maybe you don't.
1: Right. Yeah, I know. No, agreed. Um, yeah, baseball, more and more homers, uh, more of the same for, from my teams. Uh, but Alvarez is just, yeah, he's, he's killing it. He's fun to watch. Lefty goes opposite field. His stack gas numbers. Seriously. is like his exit velocity and all that is just like crazy. You
2: uh, see Shohei Otani's opposite field home run last night.
1: Yeah. Two nights ago. I love that guy. He's so much fun to watch. He's, he's fast, but he's like tall and lanky. Lengthy. lengthy. He's sitting lefty's better. Yeah. He has so much power. He's like effortless his swing. Don't you think?
2: He reminds me of Ken Griffey, just like that easy wave the bat through the zone. Not Bonds, because Bonds was such a beast with that beach ball head. Bonds was such a crazy, ridiculous, like just barely move <laughs> his cartoonish bat. Like,
1: Bond, yeah, he was cartoonish, caricature, like, Bonds. Yeah,
2: he was a freak, and he would just barely move his bat, and the thing would go into the lake every single time, the ocean, the whatever ocean. it is, the cove. Griffey was more like just had that loose, lanky power. You know, Bonds had gotten bulked up with the roids, but Griffey had that, like, loose, tall, kind of broad shoulders, but not like – he wasn't muscled up, Griffey. You know, he was, like, lanky and thin, and that's how Otani looks. You know, he just looks loose up there, and he's really big. I mean, he's like – he's got to be six five, right, Otani?
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. And, that's yeah, that's probably why Griffey's career died too soon, you know. He should have roided up maybe. It would have lasted longer. Um Yeah, it's a good comp. It's a pretty swing, and Otani's the man. I really uh, – like watching him play. He'll be, he'll be interesting uh, in leagues. What, what if he comes back as a pitcher and you can use him as one player? Closer. What an interesting player. He, He's got to be yeah. a closer. Okay, well, where would you draft that guy
2: then? First, man. You, well, you, next yeah. year, that guy will be like 30-15. You know, th- no, when this ball, 40-15. 40-15, 40-15 290, 35-40 saves, uh, a whip under one, 110 strikeouts, take that dude first overall.
1: He can steal too. I'm going to talk to to the people in more and in, in, in Yahoo and tell them we should, you should turn him into one player next year because that's, you got it. Yeah. I'm going to, it's the
2: Holy grail of fantasy. I'm, I mean, I'm the Holy grail of fantasy foot, is this kind I'm of
1: shit. I'm going to put my foot down on this issue list and I'm going to really, I got to get that changed. Cause you're right. Stake your it,
2: job it, on this issue.
1: Yeah. Not taking advantage of that. It, it, it's, it's, it's wrong. So I got to write yeah. that. So
2: Re- real man either is either Otani's a 10 category player or a real man is po- freelance podcasting next year.
1: Uh, okay, we better uh, kick up some some listeners. Do you have any other baseball thoughts before before some football?
2: No, that's good. I'm, I'm done with baseball. Okay. I got an NBA right. thought. Oh. So I got I got an NBA thought. You want? We'll do a little NBA. I don't give oh, a shit about the Warriors. Well, so just just yeah. please, let's not talk about them. Here, here, here's what. Here's the thing. So the Lakers are now the. That.
1: What those seats I had though? Come on, those
2: seats I sent you. All right, we we didn't even talk about. It. You were there at the game, but I don't I don't care about that. You just tell it to someone else. Tell them to someone who cares. You tell, talk about it on the XM right. show tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't really want to talk about it. So that's fair. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: The NBA is just it's it's out of whack because so the Lakers like trade by all accounts at least in my Twitter feed way too much for Anthony Davis. But of course they have to. This sucks for me because of our LeBron bet too. By the way, but oh yeah, they get it. They get Anthony Davis. And they're probably going to sign, you know, if not Kawhi, then some other Max, whether it's like Jimmy Butler or Kyrie Irving or yeah, whoever but... the hell it is. And they're the favorite now. They're three to one or whatever to win the NBA title next year. And it's just so screwed up for the NBA to be like, the Lakers are a stock; They're doing everything wrong. Oh, wait, they're the favorite to win the NBA title a year later because a bunch of guys kind of get their buddies together and build this custom team. Like, that's just not, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's no worse than the way it's done in other sports. Like, it just seems so fake. You know, it started with LeBron, obviously. Well, it started with the Lakers getting Malone and Payton. They didn't even win that year. But it was like, okay, we'll just get Carmelo Malone and Gary Payton and have the super team. And that didn't actually work. But then, you know, LeBron gets Bosh and Wade, and it's like they win a couple. It's stupid. Now, the, the Celtics, at least with Pierce and Garnett, those guys were older and nobody really believed it. And they traded pieces for, I don't know, it was a little more legit still. And now it's just like, you just, you know, Durant signs with the Warriors to win a couple titles. These guys are just picking the titles they want. It just, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like a good way to apportion talent in the league.
1: No, I hear you. And if they want to leave, they just, they get to leave. And uh, the NBA is in a weird place where they're talking more about the Lakers uh, during the current NBA finals than they are the, the product on the court. But, I can see why a fan would be annoyed and and super turned off by it. I certainly can, but man, it seems like they're thriving with the model, but I'm bitter about the injuries. And was a warrior fan. Let's move on. Did you not like title our last uh, podcast uh, somewhat after OJ Simpson list last week's episode?
2: I did because I was saying that the only reason we did the pod, because you were going to skip it was because I told Heather, I couldn't go to this party because I had to do the pod. So I had to act like you know, I had to act out the part. I couldn't just not do it. So I said it was right, like right. OJ. If you were actually, not, it was a little strained of analogy, but it was the idea of like you know, OJ. If he really were innocent, then what would he do? Well, you'd have to go try to find the real killer. So he had to say that. It sounded ridiculous to everybody else, but you got to keep the lie going. You know, you got to keep up the front.
1: Well, it's funny because he's made the news. I don't know if you know, but he joined Twitter shortly thereafter. So I was going to bring that up anyway, and then I thought of him like, you know what? I think List named our episode last week after him. So so tone deaf on the 25 year mark of the murders he joins Twitter. And, uh, what, and I, and I actually followed him with my, my, my wife gave me shit. Uh, what, what are your thoughts from a moral obligation, um, or even from a business standpoint of people? I looked, I saw, I saw a fellow other guys like Pat Mayo followed him. And if it's good enough for Pat Mayo, that's good enough for me. So I, I followed OJ Simpson on Twitter. Does that make me a horrible person? Um, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, first of all, don't be such a sheep that whether or not it's okay to follow somebody depends on, other people in the industry following them. You know? And that's, that's.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I'm just kind, that of, is making nutless. I'm kind
2: that of making is a joke
1: there. But I, I am a. Uh, I, actually, you know, yeah. it's only a half joke. I am a Pat Mayo fan, but uh, my friend. But uh, I, yes, I hear what you're saying. You don't only, know. Maybe Pat Mayo is
2: doing joke. a documentary on him or something like that. You know, you're following him because you actually are a bad person. <laughs> he's just following him because he's, he's, he's got some business purpose.
1: He is talking fantasy football, actually. Someone did tag me. Uh, I, I, I don't really even follow. I don't even go on Twitter enough. I don't know why I did follow him. But uh, I, he, uh, someone tagged me because he was asking fantasy football advice, saying that uh, he doesn't know about Mahomes number one overall now without the cheetah there and uh, maybe Mayfield or Todd Gurley. And he was asking for advice, and someone thought it was funny and tagged me. That was O.J. Simpson asking fantasy football. So anyway, anyway, Liz, I hear what you're saying so, about. But you know, uh, you know my
2: O.J. Uh, story, my right, area, that, I, that I met O.J. in person a couple of times.
1: I, I don't know if you told me this. No.
2: So well, when, I was, when I first got to L.A., I'm sure I told the story. Yes, I, I probably told it on this podcast. But when I first got to L.A. in 1996, well, I was out in the Central Coast, then I came back. So in 1998, when I first really moved to L.A., I started volunteering coaching at the YMCA basketball. So I, I was coaching like the 8 to 10-year-olds, and I finished that practice. That was like an hour. And then I was going to like do the 11, 12 year olds. And I'm like, kind of, it's the first day. So they're sort of waiting around to assign everyone to a team. And I look up and this guy says like, Hey, uh, where's the 11 and 12 year olds go or whatever. And it was OJ. And I was like, uh, Oh, uh, hang on. I'm one of the coaches, but I'm not sure yet. Hang on. So his kid ended up playing for another, another coach. And so we played against them. And there was one time, and then like, you know, maybe a month later, I got there like 20 minutes early to, before my game started and the prior game was going on and I was playing OJ's team, OJ's kid's team. So I was sitting there on the, uh, on the sidelines you know, watching. And then OJ shows up like maybe 15 minutes before the game starts and sits right next to me. All right. So he and I are sitting there watching the prior game because I'm coaching one team and his kids playing and then in the next game. And like some kid like shoots up a bad shot and OJ kind of like elbows me and goes, what a brick, what a brick, you know? And I'm thinking, man, if you just hadn't killed those people, I'd be like so psyched right now about this interaction. But I gave him the kind of the cold shoulder and just ignored him, you know? I was like, I right. gave him a look right. like, come on, dude, I don't want to get into a conversation with you. So anyway, at that same time, at that same time uh, when I just moved to LA, I was also playing in this basketball game on Monday nights. And I was my first day at the game. I went and I knew one of the dudes. And he's like, all right, Chris, uh, you guard Cato." There he was, Cato Kalen. That's who I was guarding in the game, in the first basketball game. Night. So I just Night. got to LA in 98. And, uh, you know, and of Hopefully. course, everyone had seen all that shit on TV, 93, 94, you know, 95, the trial and all that stuff. And like, f- get to LA and like, you know, that was, that was uh, right in my face right when I got there.
1: Uh, so I never told Simpson, you that story. Yeah. I had to have told you that story I, before. Maybe I don't remember it, but uh, that is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, OJ Simpson's on Twitter and he says he has some a little getting even to do whatever that, whatever that means. But uh, sticking with Vegas, actually, I believe that's where the juice resides these days. He um, does.
2: Very He's going to think twice about doing some armed robbery in a, in a Vegas hotel, though. I guarantee that.
1: that that's true. T- two things. I know that you, uh, you said, uh, uh, on the aforementioned signal that we can do this super contest in the app. Uh, these days uh, next year, it looked like, which I got very excited to see. but uh, you still have to do that living in Nevada, unfortunately, it's it yeah, but like. but, our, but
2: if you have a, pro- a pro- if you were hypothetically to have a proxy, uh, that proxy should certainly get a smaller cut because it's way less of a hassle to legally input the picks,
1: yeah, and we could be um a little bit you know better with our not having to worry about late you know we can wait for more information to get the picks right? in too that's like right like that so
2: that's right so, so, so mean, that is nice.
1: you're right no no that is the good news you're right no no that's a good point even though i thought that you're right that is hypothetically that is i
2: would expect some renegotiation going on if you know in the event that we had a proxy gotcha
1: um the other thing about las vegas is it looks like i am going to go even though I, I thought i was going to miss the uh usually I go the annual annual rotowire trip you won't be there uh this year i'm going to a bachelor party a few years sorry a few days later and i didn't think i was going to make it but um putting together some, uh, a, a, an auction and you're going to be sorely missed, man. There's going to be Thorn in it. Jeff Erickson, Al Zeidenfeld, um, who else? Uh, Tank Williams. It's going to be, uh, going to be fun, man. You're, you'll definitely be missed. Brad Evans is doing all the legwork.
2: Yeah. Sounds like fun. I'm going to be in, uh, France at a wedding, so I'm going to miss it.
1: Yeah, well I hope that it's something that like picks up and we do it yearly and uh, you know you'll 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 do it in the future too. Like they got who they got? James Coe, Ted Bell. Um he's he's I never Ted Bell. seen him. Ted in, Bell's Ted worth Bell? the price of admission. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. sociopath that, that
2: guy? in person. Yeah, I'd probably go just for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny you called me sociopath.
1: Um all right, man. Uh yeah, you're gonna be missed on that one. So that, that should be fun live in person. The only thing, the only complaint I have about that is Thorne wants to do it. And I'm actually gonna send an email. This reminds me Maybe send an email after this. Uh, I don't like that because I wanted uh, Drinking Thorn as the auctioneer. Uh, last the greatest year. auctioneer like of all time! My favorite thing ever, ever. Like one of my favorite. It was definitely my favorite draft slot auction ever because of him. So I'd rather him be doing that than, than participating. But
2: um, yeah, I, I don't uh, know if I the listeners understand what it's like to be in a live fantasy football auction where the auctioneer is literally getting blacked out during the auction and persisting through the entire auction. He would. He would sell the player and then he couldn't remember who he had sold. You know, he couldn't even remember like a minute, you know, not a minute, like four seconds later, the player that we had just auctioned off.
1: Yeah, I know. It was so good. Um, yeah, you'll definitely be missed. but um, what do you want again? Heather's, uh, Heather's uh, in, in a wedding, correct?
2: She is the uh, matron of honor and I am just, you know, I'm nobody. I'm just, you know, I'm just a guest, but it's her best friend is getting married in France. And, oh, nice. Uh, some fancy chateau that they're putting us up in because of her status, and be there for a few days. Then we're going to go to another place, uh, Beaujolais, for a couple of days. Heather's friends, and then uh, we're going to Lyon for a couple of days, and then we're flying back to the U.S. So it's kind of a little vacation.
1: Cool. That'll be fun, though, France.
2: I hope so. <laughs> um, do you have if any, it's not. I'll do you be have pissed. Any other, uh,
1: yeah, missing your. Uh, yeah, you always go to there every year. Um, you have any other football stuff you want to talk? I hear Josh Gordon's actually Tom Brady someone passes to. Thought that was uh, interesting. Um, yeah, do you have any uh, football thoughts? I think we kind of went through every uh, every position. I could uh, ask you some specifics. Um, do you think it's crazy? I have. Um, do you think it's crazy to rank guys like Rashad Penny ahead of Chris Carson and Dante Foreman ahead of Lamar Miller? I know if somebody does projections, you would never do that.
2: I did it. I but have Penny ahead of Carson. I have Penny. I you already do, have even Penny. In ahead of Carson. Okay. I don't have okay. uh, Foreman ahead of, I just think Foreman uh, who knows off the Achilles if he's ever going to be the same guy. So
1: Right. But we do know Miller is why that's my point.
2: The problem is that Foreman uh, doesn't catch passes. I don't think so. There's not really that extra dimension and Miller's kind of that veteran solid guy and Foreman needs to prove himself. I mean, he could easily take it over and be better, but I don't see why you'd predict that that would happen. Whereas with Penny, he looked really, really good at times when he played, and Carson is totally one-dimensional. And I I ranked Penny ahead in PPR. I think in non-PPR, Carson might be ahead. And so, and they took Penny in the first round. That's the other thing, (laughs) okay? So they obviously, you don't take a first round back not to use him long-term. And he was overweight last year, so they were sort of punishing him, but now he's back in shape. I just think for Penny, it, it makes a lot more sense. And then also Chris Carson's always hurt because his running style is so rough. He just like crashes through everybody. And that's a hard way to play football. Whereas Lamar Miller gets hurt a lot. But, you know, if he gets hurt in week seven or eight, it's not really going to help you. That You'll probably have dropped Foreman by then anyway.
1: Yeah, just Lamar Miller, people like that. I mean, I get it. If they stay healthy, the Frank Gore's last few years is like, okay, at the end of the year, they're a top 20 fantasy running back. But they, it's not like accumulation game or, right. or rotisserie league. I think Lamar Miller has six top ten finishes, uh, six weeks of top ten finishes last three seasons. Like that does not help you. It doesn't move the needle. In fact, it hurts you. Like he's never, and I bet you half of those are barely top ten. You know, it's uh, he, he, I don't know guys like that. I just want to avoid at all costs, and I would just rather a foreman and, and even sight unseen. So that's my thinking, and I totally agree with you with the uh, the penny and, and Carson. Carson well, was. It, it depends way how up deep your league is, right? Tackles.
2: If if you're in a 14 team league with like two running backs, three receivers, and a flex. Like, having Lamar Miller get you 13 carries for 46 yards and three catches for 22 yards is something, right? Like, you're getting some points. Whereas if you're in, like, a 12-team league with no flex or, you know, 2-2 and a flex, then you're right. Then you never use them. And, And you're also right that accumulation doesn't mean shit. You'd way rather pick up that David Johnson guy at the end of 2015 that gets you four good games or... One of those running backs that at the end of the year does really well for four games, or even in the middle of the year. Like you, you get an injury, there's an injury, you pick up somebody for four games, they help you win two of them, then they get hurt and they're done, you drop them. That guy's super useful versus an accumulator that never tops 75 yards any game.
1: Totally. Yeah. So those are the guys I'm targeting. Also, maybe like Damian Harris on New England and Ronald Jones on Tampa Bay. Those will be buzzy picks, though, I'm sure. But um, one person I actually wanted to ask you about is mark ingram i could see both sides here i I think he's going to get pretty more positive though i think people are going to be on to him so what are your thoughts and where do you where do you have him ranked ish
2: um i could look it up right now i i kind of like him as a player he's pretty good i mean it it helped to be on the saints where they had this great offensive line and a good quarterback and a good offense i still think he's pretty good in the ravens with the running qb and probably be the head of that committee let me look where I ranked him in PPR. I have him at 24 ahead of James White and Josh Jacobs.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that sounds about right. I mean, it's weird to say that he like upgraded leaving the Saints, though. And I've been guilty of thinking that before, because that player is going to be more the quote unquote, the man. So I'm kind of skeptical. And I think he's going to go higher than than I'll be willing to take him. But I, I could be wrong. He is a good player. And they are going to be the most run heavy team in football. And Kenneth Dixon just can't stay healthy. The thing is, I think Dixon is good, though. But I don't know. I guess whatever the Justice Hill, I guess maybe they signed him. to No, Gus to Edwards the is still there maybe too, right? Exactly. Yes. Gus said, I didn't even say him. Right. So there is competition. Right. So and he's not, you know, hasn't been familiar with the system. So I do Ingram's
2: I don't know. not, it's not like Ingram is some crazy pass catcher. He can catch passes and he caught a bunch with the saints, but it's not clear that he'd be their third down guy. And then if Edwards were to get goal line work, Then let's say Dixon gets a lot of third down work
1: and Jackson too. I mean, Jackson could run for 12 touchdowns, you know?
2: Yeah, that's right. He's going to take away some too. So it's, it's kind of hard to know, but then again, there's nobody really good there that, you know, he could just be a bell cow Mm -hmm. and get 260 carries and 45, 50 catches and just be a a workhorse. I mean, it's not like they're saving him for anything.
1: That's what I'm saying. I see both sides. (laughs) That's why he's an interesting guy to me. So, so, uh, Darius Geis is another interesting player, but I mean, not really. Cause what can we say? This is completely like, where, where do you have him ranked? I guess is what I'm asking. Cause it's obviously total unknown.
2: And PPR I have him 37 because Adrian Peterson oh, nah, it's pretty is, pro- oh, is still going to get work. And, and then uh, Chris Thompson, he's, if he's like ever
1: 50, dude. Seriously. How old is Adrian Peterson? I guess because of Frank Gore, I guess I just good, he was decent he was... last year. He was, yeah, P-
2: Peterson wasn't bad player. last year and, and Geis has done nothing. He's coming off an ACL how many you know? How many guys like tear their ACL in training camp as rookies and do well? Yeah. I don't know. And then also, uh, Chris Thompson, if he's ever healthy, is the th- is the clear third down back. He's actually good. You know what's Geis's real upside in a full PPR? I don't know. Maybe he'll be just really, really good and he'll take that job over.
1: I thought I had him low at twenty eight. So it's funny that you say that. And I just clicked his button on Fantasy Pros, and his consensus is twenty eight. I'm such the herd. I'm such I just follow the herd. Eighty. You feet thought he was exactly. low, right? So,
2: I have him low. I have him yeah, at 37. So you, I can move him up a little low, bit. low,
1: truly low on Darius. I mean, I have
2: him below have like no Jordan point. Howard, and I have him below Lamar Miller by my projections.
1: Okay. Uh, well, that's another guy I was going to ask you. I guess you have two situations. One, first, go Jordan Howard, actually. what? What? Do you, Miles Sanders hype. It was, uh, those guys who, he's like still battling an injury, right? I think yeah, he had Miles Sanders is hurt. Highest, yeah, battling an injury. Those guys, it's really tough in rookies, obviously. And I think he had by far the highest fumble rate in college, if that means anything. But uh, Howard, the guy you who know, can't catch the ball, Bill, it's probably just going to be a, a total share right? committee is what it, ultimately the answer. I have them ranked back-to-back. Back.
2: I have Howard 36 and Sanders 46. I mean, the guy's hurt. And what round did they take Sanders in?
1: I think it was like the third.
2: Yeah. I mean, these. here's the thing. I think uh, David Montgomery and Miles Sanders, those are the kind of guys you take in like later in the draft or you know who knows maybe they'll they're like third round picks who could pop in good situations but
1: Miles Sanders went in the mid second
2: okay in the second it might be and the Eagles are a smart team so maybe they really see something in him but you see it so many times where you think the rookie's going to be the guy and it's just the veteran just gets the work he knows how to pick up the blitz
0: support for this podcast comes from US Bank when you're looking for a credit card get one that wins awards The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer credit card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: He's reliable. He knows the system. You know, Howard doesn't know the system because he's new. I don't know. I guess I could see the upside. David Montgomery is even, like, third-round pick. You got Mike Davis there who's competent. And then you're, the third down guy is like the best third down guy in the league almost. So, it's like, how much upside does he have?
1: Yeah, I heard you talk about him on the XM show, and I have him ranked pretty aggressively at 21 right now. I do I'm like Mike Davis. And I do like Mike Davis, and I, and I kind of see that Chicago, I've already made the defense, I think that team's going to take a big step back. So, But I don't know, this is a franchise that traded up to get him, and they just seemingly really like him, and but I mean, Mike Davis is a Niners cast off as much as people do like his, his, his tape or whatever. Um, I I just I guess even you're right, though, a sense of he could be a three down back. There's still Cohen there. So I don't know. The team had a good team, a good defense. They're going to run the ball like absolutely crazy. He's their rookie that they handpicked and traded up for. So after the top 20 or so running backs, I just felt like, you know, he's one of the wild card with the most upside.
2: But I, I also think like these teams, right, they scout these backs. They do what they can. They make a decision they trade up or they draft the guy in the third round or whatever it is. And then they find out they still don't know because nobody knows. And they find out, ah, oh, this guy's just this. We were hoping he was that, but he's this. It's like you draft your guys in fantasy and you're like, oh yeah, I think Jose Ramirez is going to be really good for me or whatever. And then, you know, the season starts and you're like, oh, he's not that good. You sort of change your opinion as you see what's happening. I don't, I don't think these teams, Sure. you know, especially, I mean the first round, I mean, they really are going to try to, Make, you know, make, it, uh, make it work, but let's get to the third round, and Mike Davis is just playing better in training camp than, you know, Mike Davis is a guy, they watched his tape, they decided they would sign him. So both guys, they picked. They picked both guys on purpose, given the resources that they cost. Obviously they'd rather have Saquon Barkley, but he wasn't available. So they took those guys, and they're gonna compete. And you're gonna have to pay like a fifth round pick for Montgomery. And you'll get Mike Davis in like the 11th. And I think it's kind of close to 50 50. Maybe Montgomery has more upside because of the uh, pass catching, but the floor for both is like basically zero.
1: You know, I get it, but you're just going to, what type of receiver are you taking instead then, listen, in that round is what I'm saying. I don't really care about. I just feel like receivers you can just get so much easier to scrappy receivers. And you very well might be right that, that Montgomery doesn't turn into anything, but I just feel like the upside of a running back in that situation is worth a, a pick, you know, around four ish type pick or whatever.
2: Maybe, I mean, maybe I, I guess Montgomery, if, if Davis really gets hurt or has no role and even if Cohen has 60 catches or 65 catches, Montgomery could have 48 with all the bell cow early down stuff on a good offense, good system. Maybe, maybe it just seems like it's a real long shot for all that stuff to come together.
1: What are you doing with Kenyon Drake this year?
2: I've got him pretty high. I've got him at 16th in PPR.
1: Wow, that is high. I hate the Drake. Yeah, I, I loved him last year. He had some crazy good uh, after contact uh, stats, like historical, like the best uh, Pro Football Focus had recorded. And obviously, was a bust last year. And you think it was more of a coaching issue then? You're, you're, that sounds pretty optimistic. 16th.
2: Well, I mean, it was obviously a coaching issue. They didn't use him. What, what is he supposed to do? What else could he have done?
1: Yeah, no, I just said he had some historical numbers. Coming the, the guy's year like in the an Fournette, amazing so pass easy, catcher.
2: He's super explosive. He's young. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the t- He's got still a lot of tread on the tires left. He can catch passes. It's full PPR. I got him right after Fournette, right ahead of Marlon Mack.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to see who else do they, uh, yeah. What's his competition? Kalen Ballage. So like, yeah, I've
2: seen some things on Twitter. They say that guy just runs right to the nearest tackler and goes down.
1: Yeah. He's kind of a bum, huh? And what, uh, what are we worried about just because they did it last year and it's an entirely new coaching staff, right?
2: Exactly. I I don't really see, obviously he's been a little injury prone and I don't know if he can handle a heavy workload in the NFL, but the guy's good. Yeah. And and now he's comfortable. You know, he knows he's good. You know, he, he was a a star last year, even though even in limited work.
1: Yeah, what do they have? Miles Gaskin. Who else do they have? Yeah. So what? <laughs> Interesting. I'm, I'm I'm back in the love the Drake. You know, even 4.5 yards per for carry last year when he disappointed ever. So look at his receiving. Yeah, he's a good player. All right. Okay. I, I think you're right. They don't really have much competition there, and it's an entire entirely new coaching. All right. I'm going to move him up. I'm going to move up Drake. You
2: know, I, I you know maybe I'm off base on this, but it just seemed like I gave him 213 carries. For 933 yards, 4.4 yards a carry, seven touchdowns rushing, 53 catches, 455 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns.
1: Yeah, no, you finally made you said something worthwhile here. I'm, I'm, I'm bumping up Drake. Love the Drake. Right. What about the Niam- uh, Neem? I have to move him
2: down now. Obviously,
1: <laughs> the Neem Hines into the world. I hear people like 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 those guys. Like I get the PPR and the deeper leagues, but man, it better be deep. Those players, I just. I don't know. There's just, they're just no upside because they'll never be feature backs, and uh, even India has so many pass catchers. He may take a, a dip there. But do you see? Do you see? Do you see people like talk up players like Heinz?
2: I'm at twenty nine in PPR, full PPR. I mean, I give him sixty seven catches oh. for five sixty one and three touchdowns receiving. I gave him seventy three carries for three eleven and two touchdowns rushing. I mean, if he does that, he's going to be really useful in full PPR because he's going to be getting you those PPR four catches for forty two yards. Five, you know, five carries for 26 yards, maybe one touchdown, either rushing or receiving on a given. I mean, he's going to be useful, and he's good, and he's in his second year, and it's a short passing league now. They throw – all teams throw to backs as much as they can. Marlon Mack isn't much of a pass catcher. So no, he's not. No,
1: think, but they added punches and they have a ton of tight those ends. Those are wide I receivers, know, though. Those that, are, that
2: those are different. That
1: target different. share that I, right. I think those okay. are
2: right. different positions
1: okay so you you definitely like hines more than me that's for sure he he'll be on none of my teams I, I, just, I don't know if it breaks like even if mac went down would his value increase much
2: not that much a little bit he'd probably get more carries but jordan wilkins whoever the hell they have there backing him up would yeah probably, probably would get some
1: up. you're right but, but not like league winner status all right okay you like you like hines yeah, not um, every. Anyone, uh, some
2: PPR backs, some guys like Daryl Henderson are like league winners if you. Oh, they have Spencer Ware now. I didn't realize that. Uh, they're like yeah. league winners if the starter goes down or potentially league winners. And then others are just, no, they're just, they are what they are, but, you know, they have some value in, in certain formats.
1: Another guy like Lamar Miller is another great example. I even heard him hyped up is Peyton Barber, the coaching staff saying he better stay healthy or whatever. Even though, yes, Ronald Jones looks better. Here's another guy that. There's just nothing there, man. I mean, it just doesn't matter if he stays healthy and becomes the featured guy. He's, he's one of those guys that just the pedestrian, the, the, the accumulator. Like, where do, where do you have Barber versus Ronald Jones on your ranks?
2: Uh, neither of them are very high. Sorry, I, was just, I just clicked onto the baseball to check the uh, live scoring of my uh, still competitive teams. So I have to, I have to <laughs> toggle back to my cheat sheet. I've got Peyton Barber at 40 in full PPR. I've got Ronald Jones yeah. at 47. Okay, you still
1: would draft Peyton Barber over Ronald Jones. Yeah, I've seen enough, but I'd, I'd rather Ronald Jones easily, few rounds ahead of. Seen enough Peyton Barber. All right, I'll, before we go, I'll wake you up. A, a well, uh, you we know, I might not,
2: I might ball. not uh, draft one ahead of the other, but I, you know, that's just where the projections are. You know, I don't. The deeper you get into the draft, the less the projections matter. Early in the draft, projections are very important because floor matters. But as you get deep in the draft, you might be like, screw it. I don't care about this accumulator. I'm going to, I'm going to jump a guy.
1: All right. Two, two other guys actually that are more noteworthy that I do have thoughts on or are curious yours. Uh, one, James Connor. Uh, have you heard, do you pay any attention to him saying it's going to be more of a committee? Have you lowered him? Do you pay any, uh, I, I don't know how you treat that situation anyway, you know, with the first time him clearly going into the year without Le'Veon Bell and then also Melvin Gordon, I've kind of warmed up to, for whatever reason, he's just never been my guy and obviously seemingly hurt, but, I don't know. I, I know he is playing for a contract, but PFF graded him so well last year. And his guards per carry, Yards per carry, you know, it's a noisy stat. And I think I overrated his in the past. And he's just such a workhorse. And that team could, you know, whatever, win the Super Bowl. So Melvin Gordon and, and James Conner, I, I flip-flopped those on my own ranks. Thoughts?
2: Yeah. Uh, I put Melvin Gordon at six right behind David Johnson, ahead of Le'Veon Bell. And I moved Conner all the way down to 10 because, I don't know how good he is. I mean, Pittsburgh's always given one guy all the carries, whether it was Le'Veon Bell or D'Angelo Williams when he filled in, or Connor last year. But we'll see if Jalen Samuels is any good. And they got that guy Benny Snell. I don't know. I still have him at 10, but I got him below like Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon.
1: Yeah, okay. That makes sense. I'm, def- I'm below Nick Chubb as well. All right. So you're with me on, on that. Uh, yeah. Melvin Gordon, you like him then? I mean, it did not seem like a list guy either, though, actually.
2: I had him low, and then I, I looked at, like, he was just such a monster last year, like, in the games he played. I mean, he just caught a lot of passes. He just had a really high usage rate on a good team, and he's pretty good. But he just seems like a violent runner who's starting to accumulate the wear and tear. So it makes me a little nervous, but I did have to move him up ahead of Le'Veon Bell, especially because Le'Veon Bell's not even wanted on that team. I had to move Gordon ahead of him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And Aaron Jones is tough for me not to just continue to creep up there with all the the hype for I him. Mean, and my guy MBS too, but man, if Aaron Jones, he's going to break my heart again that guy, but I'm going to end up probably drafting him in in the second round in too many leagues. Yeah, Where do you I mean, have him?
2: Four, 14th right behind Gurley?
1: Okay. Right. that's that's fairly aggressive. Uh, yeah. I wonder what his ADP is. 14th, yeah, probably... what's is uh, 17th? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um all right. Enough enough sports talk. Um I, uh, I'll be meaning to tell you Liz. I, I binged a show that I, I liked and I recommend it'll make up, uh, I want you and Heather to watch, uh, make up for my succession, even though I'm excited for that season two premiere coming up soon. But have you guys checked out the show Fleabag?
2: Yeah. Heather loves it. I didn't see it, but she okay. loves it.
1: Okay. She, has she watched season two yet then? Cause it was really, I think so, really good. Yeah.
2: I think she's watched the whole thing.
1: Damn it. Okay. All right. I figured she probably already did, but I she wanted it. to recommend that. She loves that. it. You
2: should, I saw a couple of things. Could, it seemed pretty good, but.
1: You could I mean, probably skip even season one if, if you wanted, but season two was pretty close to perfect. It was pretty brilliant. Like it, I it, it saw when she big, punches, it's
2: right? the one where she punches that, that real douchebag who's married to her to her sister in the right. face at dinner. Right? She right, punches yeah. him in the face.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, that the show? The voice, my, yeah, exactly. Yes, that is a show. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I you did know, see it. Season, season two, um, really good. Uh, what else? Oh, I was going to say, I saw you talking to Jeff. I heard you talking to Jeff on me. This about me hating Avengers. I just want to be clear that it's just not my genre. That, that oh that, come that on, don't
2: walk I mean, that shit back. You hated that shit.
1: <laughs> I did. It was pretty miserable. Come on, here.
2: Jesus Christ! Oh, I don't want to be known as hating Avengers. That would be come on. No,
1: no, no. There are some there are some bad uh, show, movies in that genre, but I, I, I just I don't know. It probably was fine for the genre, but um, if you want me to own it, fair. Um, actually, some decent TV, uh, these days, not only flea bag, but big little lives have been into the first two episodes, um, which, uh, I find especially entertaining because it, it really, it, the way it depicts Monterey, an area where I went to school from seventh through, through high school. And, uh, also the U.S. Open was just there. You should check out this clip that's been skewered. Uh, it's all you should Google the car, the clip on Carmel, California. Uh, Deadspin out for the U.S. Open is pretty funny. They have some absurd rules. And finally, Euphoria just premiered on HBO. I thought that was the season. The episode one was very interesting, and I'm going to be into that. Uh, List what I have written down for you is um, I heard you got very upset at, at, at charity. Someone, was it like a Reds announcer or something?
2: Oh, yeah. And I was just watching the Reds game, and instead of like focusing on the game, I guess it was some charity night where they're giving to some, who knows what it was, some kids in need or something like that. And instead of paying attention to the game, they brought in some executive who, I guess he's one of the guys that is spearheading the, the charity drive. I don't know exactly. I barely paid attention to it. And they were just kissing his ass so much. And he was just acting so self-satisfied for how generous he's been and how much it moves him. And it's just such bullshit. And it was like, I started getting this sick feeling like, dude, you got the TV contract. You, you got your commercials. You're selling tickets to the game, you're selling parking, you're selling concessions, and now you're interrupting the game to squeeze out more money out of people for something. And I'm thinking, you know, if this is the way society's going. Like, we, we just literally can't provide for children. We, we don't have enough of a social safety net for that, that it's going to actually, you can't watch a ball game. You know, it's like, what are we even paying taxes for? Like, what is the, what is the value proposition that now it, it's come to that? And so it was, the rant was, A, just about like how... This shouldn't, first of all, they shouldn't be turning to me like this for that. I mean, we pay taxes that, you know, there should be provision for people in need rather than endless military spending, for example. And two, if you're being charitable, just be charitable. Just give. Don't talk about it. Don't call attention to yourself. Don't talk about how moved you are. Just shut the fuck up and give the money. I don't want to hear about you. It's not about you. If there are some children that need money and, and you're moved to give that money, great. It's a nice thing to do. Just do it. Just do it and shut the fuck up about it, period. see people on Twitter talking about charity this and what a great charity this is and blah. Come on, man. Just give the money. Give the money and be quiet. The best people are the people that just do a lot of nice things in life, whether it's money or attention or whatever it is. And they just do it because it's natural to them to do. They just do it. They just do it. They just, just want to do it. Or maybe it's not natural. Maybe they've learned to do it, but they just do it. Just get in the habit of doing it, and they do it. Not a whole lot of, oh, look how generous I've been over time with my money and my attention. Constantly reminding people of it. Constantly talking about how, what a great person they are or how moving it was. Just shut up. So that was basically my rant. It was ruining the game. I had to flip the channel. I was like, man, I'm trying to watch this game. I can listen to these fucking windbags and the announcer kiss their ass. It's embarrassing.
1: You know, uh, a buddy of mine actually died last week. Lisa, he had a heart attack. Um, it's really a, a close friend, a closer friend's uh, brother, but I've known him since I was a kid. And uh, the, his wife set up a GoFundMe, and I uh, and I donated to it. And my and my wife said, "Why did you not just say anonymous? You know, why are you put in there? You just show everyone the amount you did." So it's, it's interesting that you say that because she just brought that up to me. that me? You know, yeah. Me why didn't we know you? how much how much I did? And then I thought of a curb your enthusiasm episode where. Larry David gets Ted Danson a hard time and you know, he says for an anonymous donor you're sure are telling a lot of people <laughs> right. about it but uh, Yeah exactly.
2: Yeah, so I, <laughs> well, so why I, did you I, why I, did I, you? Because you wanted to make sure they didn't think you were cheaping out on them.
1: Uh, why did I put my name on instead of just yeah. writing anonymous? Um I don't know, you're right. Maybe if I was a greater if I was bigger person I would have just wrote anonymous well, I think, and just done it for the family. You're right. That's, I think if it was like it
2: some cause that you're not personally connected to you probably would have done it anonymously but it's like there was a little bit of value, not to signal to everybody else, but just to let like his widow know, like, you know, you're, you're, you have her in your thoughts, I guess. Right. So it's right. It, it's not, it wasn't like if it were private, you would. have Yeah. It, but
1: I probably could have privately let her know through the gold go fund me, but it just, that what it declared, see, you can scroll and it shows everyone that that, that put, you know, that donates. I don't, yep. I think I could have just made that itself with, with the widow knowing. Yeah, man sucks. Oh yeah. Uh, Mid forties, heart attack. Out of I mean, nowhere. Every, a lot
2: of people, man, you really <laughs> it, had a lot of, uh,
1: I have had an unbelievable. I haven't even talked about half of it on this podcast. It's been yeah, it's it's been a rough rough stretch for me it, right, lately. It's it's tough. Yeah, nice guy. Like I said, mid 40s, two kids, uh, uh, high schoolers, uh, married and ha- happy. All about family. Out of nowhere, I mean, just horrible. Wake up one morning on a Wednesday, have a heart attack. You effect. got you just... got to
2: take care of your health, man. And you and you can't trust. You can't tr- you can't outsource it to doctors or the system, man. I mean, I, I I'm not trying to be harsh about it. It's it's obviously a tragedy, no matter what and some things you can't help. Some things are sort of out of left field, but you see that you got to just be like, all right, let me get ahead of this as, as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. No horrible.
1: Um, yeah, man, I don't have anything else to say on that note, but did you have any political rants, uh, up your sleeve this week?
2: I had a couple things. We're running kind of long cause we wasted so much time on football, but, um, I'm going to try to do the ones that are really, uh, pertinent. So Facebook's launching its own, quasi crypto and obviously nobody likes Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook right. or trust them, but a lot of people they'll incentivize people to get in- involved in stuff. And there's a lot of different predictions like of this is great for Bitcoin because it'll be their first onboard to crypto and it's very dangerous for the central banks and the US government wants to investigate already because it's very dangerous if if suddenly like you can get money through Facebook and then exchange it for real goods you know, and buy real things with it, then, you know, it starts to take over for the US dollar. I mean, it's competition. And the US dollar and our government, I don't trust Facebook at all. And of course, I don't like them. And I think Bitcoin will beat them because it's not centralized. It's not controlled by friggin Mark Zuckerberg. But, uh, and it's also not regulatable the way Facebook is by the government. But it's good in one way that, as I said, like as a taxpayer, you pay a lot of money, a lot of your money that you make goes to the government. And they're just not delivering. They're just not delivering the product, man. They're spying on you. They're spending all this money on military and wars. And there's so much corruption. They're starting wars just to pay these military industrial complex companies, the Boeings and the Northrop Grumman's and all, all, these, all these arms dealers, basically. They, they do the bidding of the bankers. And then when the politicians get out of office, they get rewarded with $500,000 speaking engagements for an hour. I mean they're really misusing our funds and not delivering services that they need to deliver and not that Facebook's the answer but I like that like there's some pressure being put on them you guys got to fucking deliver you're gonna get you're gonna lose relevance you know they're gonna have problems collecting taxes and doing what they need to do if they don't step their game up you know uber disrupts the cab companies and Facebook and Google disrupt the newspaper industry and you know YouTube just disrupts traditional media and Let's disrupt the government. I mean, let's at least push it to, like, provide services that your taxes fund. I mean, this is the level of, of return on, on what you're paying is just garbage. Quality of schools, the quality of the environment, a lot of things. They're just not, they don't deliver. Okay, so that that's one rant I had. The second thing I want to say, and you guys can check me on this, but I have some political predictions that I feel very confident about. Do I'm you, ready. Uh,
1: I'm here. I'm ready. Let's I hear say. them, with
2: couple of predictions on the Democratic primary. First off, Biden is such a joke. He's such a clown. He's so stupid and inept that he makes Trump look like Winston Churchill. And even his own handlers are going to ditch him. They're going to say, you know what, this guy, we can't. We can't. He's only first right now because Obama's still popular been, among the base, and he's associated yeah, with quick, Obama.
1: Real quick, before you take the floor, I was gonna, I've been meaning to tell you about him because you're so dismissive of Biden and it's so different according to the odds. I've been meaning to bring that up. If you've been checking the odds, obviously you just said he's leading. So continue.
2: Yeah, Biden is is toast. He's going to, he'll be out. In six months, he won't even be running, I don't think, May, maybe a year, but he's out. I mean, he's, again, he makes Trump look like Winston Churchill. He's so inept. And then Kamala Harris, who would be the other establishment choice, she makes Hillary Clinton seem personable, real, and uh, compassionate and charming. I mean, that, she is... She is so unlikable, so nasty. Her track record of just being nasty to the, the most vulnerable people in society is so bad. She's not gonna she's not gonna have traction. No good. So she and she and Biden would be the choice, but they just they can't go with those two. They're 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 DOA. So the guy they're gonna settle on, and I feel very almost positive of this, is your guy, Pete Buttigieg, because he's personable, he's smart. He'll do the corporate bidding that they need them to do, but he'll sell it in a way that's likable, that seems more real, that seems more, you know, relatable. He's basically Obama. If Obama were gay, he, that's Obama. You know, I mean, he's, he's got that political skill that Obama has. And I think he's going to be the establishment candidate. I think the Democrats are going to realize this is the only horse in the race that we really have that can take care of the special interests that when we need to, our clients, and has a chance to win. And I think on the other side, you're going to have Bernie. You're going to have Elizabeth Warren. You're going to have Tulsi Gabbard and or Andrew Yang. Gabbard and Yang are obviously the, the longer shots. But those are the four people with ideas, actual ideas. So there's like the, per, there's basically like idiots who just go with personality and they'll, they'll gravitate to Buttigieg. And then there's like the vested interests who want their peace. They, they want to retain their, you know, neoliberal global stake. And they're going to, They have power, and they're going to definitely want Buttigieg because he's the only one who can actually do it. And then everybody else, the people that actually care about policy, who actually care about you know power to the people and getting things done, it's going to be those four. And those four, somebody's going to get ahead. I don't know which one. I can't say. I mean, obviously Warren and Bernie are probably the favorites, but the other two are unique. And and I think you know I, I like Tulsi Gabbard the best, but. Regardless, it's going to be one of those four. So whoever of those four emerges, maybe there'll be two of them. And then they'll be going, one of them will finally get to third and it'll be one-on-one and it'll be against, uh, and it'll get super nasty. And I think that one of the, the policy people like Tulsi or somebody could beat Trump because they'll actually speak to the working class that, that elected Trump because the neoliberals ditched the working class. So if it's Bernie or Warren or Tulsi... Or even Yang, if he were to somehow make it through, I think he could speak to the working class and 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 just say, hey, look, you know, you've been getting screwed. Trump says he's going to do something, but he really he really isn't. He's just, you know, more of the same. They could beat Trump. But if they end up with Buttigieg, I think Trump would beat him. Although, maybe not, because Buttigieg is, he's got some, I, I think he's charismatic and skillful. But that's how I think it's going to play out. Biden, forget I it. I
1: would I would like to see boot Edge Edge debate him for sure, but um I, I'm not you call him my guy, but um I mean I don't know
2: i I don't, I don't sure like him. 100%. I think he's another Obama. I think he's, I think he's going to say the right stuff, and people are going to project all sorts of positive things on him, and when he gets there, he's going to take care of the banks, he's going to keep the empire going, yeah and it's just going to be like Obama part two.
1: A lot of people yeah. you, want you, that, well, they sure. think
2: they want that, but I don't think they i don't think it's i don't think long term it's good policy
1: um all right so this uh the site i have up right now has gabbard at 40 to 1 yang at 15 to 1 uh warren 9 to 1 and sanders plus 375
2: of your 3.7 to 1 what's Buttigieg? Is this to be president oh, or to win the nomination?
1: This is Democrat, obviously Democrat, Democrat. So, and it, Buttigieg is six to one, Harris six to one, and Biden two plus two
2: hundred. Okay, I, I think Buttigieg is definitely the best bet there. Although obviously Tulsi is a good long shot, but she is so hated by the establishment that, like, if she were the one that emerged through the debates, you know, ahead of Bernie and and, and Warren, it would be the ugliest, ugliest, ugliest smear job. It would be really oh. nasty. They would yeah, go after him viciously.
1: Yeah, Trump so far has been nice to boot edge edge, but of course the, it's coming. But um, yeah, and then the only other one is Beto O'Rourke is 15 to 1 also. But um, yeah, so...
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, t- I told you about that quote, didn't I? I saw a quote, I t- talked about this last week, that there was a, uh, a tweet that like, or maybe it was an article in The Hill, that magazine, and it said that Beto O'Rourke was citing London Calling as an album that changed his life. And some guy, some commenter wrote beneath it, phony Beatlemania has bitten the dust. This is obviously a line from that song. And it's just right, like,
1: right, right, right. this is
2: perfect, you know? That's
1: funny. It's just a phony, right, so there's,
2: phony bullshit. for
1: the you know? president. No, I, 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 yes, for sure. Uh, for the president, uh, Trump, even. Biden, plus 300. Bernie, plus 850. Harris, twelve. Twelve hundred, Budajec twelve fifty, Warren seventeen fifty, O'Rourke twenty five hundred, Yang twenty seven fifty, and then Gabbard sixty to one.
2: I like Trump at even money, and I like Budajec at his price. Yeah, twelve and, and half, sixty yeah. to Plus one. You may as well go with Tulsi, but I, I, they just <laughs> there'd have to be a seismic change for her to win because she's literally wants to like stop the foreign policy where we're bases everywhere and starting wars everywhere. And that's just so unacceptable to very powerful factions. They'd pull right. out all the stops. I want to say two other things. There was an article that came out, I retweeted it, about how methane emissions, you know, people think you shouldn't eat meat because the cow farts are causing atmospheric greenhouse gases. And there was a new study that came out that the f- fertilizer, nitrogen-based fertilizers that are Sort of the staple of big agriculture, basically veganism, vegetarianism, the, the mass-produced agriculture, is way worse than grazing cows. And uh, I linked to it on Twitter, and it's uh, it's pretty telling. I, my my belief is I think you can have legitimate ethical questions, at least, or concerns about well, you're killing something to eat it. I mean, and we see lions do it in the wild, carnivores eat other animals, but. Killing an animal is still killing something. It, there's, a moral, there's, a, there, there's a moral consideration there. I eat a lot of meat, but I, I'm not going to deny that there's a moral calculation or consideration going on, obviously. But for the most part, the things that are good for you, and I think if you really look into the science, meat is good for you. And not factory farm meat is typically pretty bad for you with all the omega-6s and antibiotics and all the crap they have to do to keep that Franken meat going. But the grass-fed meat is really good for you. It's really good for your health. And that usually what's good for your health in a genuine way is probably going to be good for the environment, that we evolved within the context of the environment. So don't poison yourself eating an all-vegan diet and think, oh, I'm doing the right thing for the planet. It's usually those things would not be congruent, that what's good for your body, which evolved with the planet, is going to be terrible for the planet, that I have to eat this franken food, fake tofu dogs and stuff like that. And in fact, that stuff is terrible for your health. So, I don't know. It's a good article, and it's worth checking out.
1: Interesting. All right, I'll check it out, Liz.
2: One last thing. There's this guy. and then this podcast is running super long. Uh, I'd read his two
1: parter like
2: 20 Two-parter. years ago. No, nah, it's a one-parter. And I'm even leaving out some notes I have, actually, because it's too controversial, and I have to edit too much of it. But this guy, Ken Wilber, who's like a Buddhist philosopher, meditator. I don't know what he is, but... I read his books like 20 years ago. I guess he's probably pretty old now. And I just listened to one of his podcasts. And it was pretty interesting, pretty good. And, you know, it's about spirituality. It's about enlightenment. And I just think more and more, like I love fantasy sports. And I'm trying like hell and living and dying with my NFBC teams. And we'll be crazy living and dying with the Super Contest and our, and our football teams. But rather than getting to eight more fantasy sports, which I probably could. Some people are. I'm really interested in bigger big questions, Bitcoin, the monetary system, how to deal with my financial future, my health, well-being, and spiritual matters, I think, are just important to think about. So let's put it out there, the Ken Wilber podcast. I just listened to like two-thirds of one episode, and it wasn't like mind-blowing. It was a little mind-blowing, but I was like thinking, I I should listen to more of this stuff because it reminds me of, of what's important. So let's leave on that note. Sounds good, Liz. All right, man. You got anything else for me?
1: Yeah. How are you, By the way, how, before we go, how are you doing on the tax issues? Is there any update? Are you staying there? I haven't asked you in a while.
2: Oh, so basically I deleted a lot of that from the other podcast. We have this tax issue that's pretty annoying. I won't get into detail. And it's just been on, it's like for a year, they haven't answered us, the Portuguese government. And our lawyer just put in a request for them to answer. And they just said, okay, we can answer. But the power of attorney that you got gave us was a copy and we need an original. So we had to print it out and re-sign it and resend it and he had to send it so it's delayed like a minute but we might find out there's next always week something. there's always something but always heather something. i was like ah, yeah. how could we screw that up we should just give him the original and she's like no don't think of it like that think of it as like they always ask for more stuff just to make you jump through the hoop before saying yes right. that's what her take is right. so if that's, that's the case football. i'll be in a very good mood if that's the case. So okay. we'll see. Knock on wood. Well, all right. Not sure yet. Cool, man. Right. Good luck
1: with that. Yeah, she yeah. might be right about that. I like that. I like that attitude either. Her part. attitude.
2: My attitude that. was like, how could we just not, how can we delay this even further? Jesus, you know? Oh,
1: right. The, the she's angry, like way more yeah.
2: positive than me. Right.
1: Right. right. I like it. All right, man. Good stuff, Liz. All
2: right, man. Take it easy, Dolan.